Hi, this is John Burkett, and you're listening to the Above180.com podcast with Tim Berg. Hey, bowlers. Bowling This Month is back. Bowling This Month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at BowlingThisMonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me on the Above180.com podcast is Mike Jasnow. Mike is a USBC Silver Level coach. He's a Storm Instructional staff member. You can find Mike at the National Bowling Stadium in Reno, Nevada. Mike Tim Berg here. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Tim. Always good to talk with you. Happy to be back. All right. Well, so uh, a lot of great stuff going on with the USBC Open getting going in Vegas. You know, we're uh, some weeks into the tournament, but you have some exciting news kind of that you want to talk about and how you're going to be involved in helping bowlers as they prepare to bowl the Open Championships this year. That's correct. You know, the Open Championships is always one of my favorite tournaments. Uh, One, I like being busy, and that's a busy time for me. Two, lots of good bowlers. And three, and probably more most importantly, it's just I've made so many friends over the years at Nationals, and these are people I get to see like once a year. So it's always fun for me to go there, and I'm happy to announce that I will be in Las Vegas starting April 17th, and I'll be there through July 2nd giving lessons, and I'll be set up at the Orleans. And the Orleans is where they're having the side event tournaments for the BTM. Awesome. So what pairing up with the Orleans and BTM. So what does that mean for a bowler? Say I want to come down there, do a lesson. What am I going to get? Obviously we know from lane 81, what we get, is it going to be the same sort of lesson on lane 81 that we would get, or is it going to be a little bit different and more catered towards the open championships? Well, lane 81, I have the advantage of having a cat system that I will not have set up at the Orleans. So at the Orleans, it will be video analysis lessons only. It's been an hour, hour and 15 minutes. It'll be 120 will be the cost. And same as on lane 81, same price for the video analysis lesson. Um, you get a flash drive, copy of the lesson when we're done. Uh, I believe I'm going to try to have maybe the BTM pattern down. It, uh, hopefully it will not be a house shot that I'm teaching on. Um, obviously, we'll not have the USBC Open Championships patterns because they're not releasing them. 
<laughs> but I uh, hope to see a lot of my regulars make appointments. You can call me directly to make an appointment at 775-335-8841. Or you can email me at bowlbetter at hotmail.com. Or you can contact me through my Facebook page, Coach Mike Jasno. Okay, Mike. So you, you mentioned that, and it's a key point to bring up, though. As you're doing your lessons and you help someone and you help their game, I know I've done lessons with you many a times. You always say, take one thing you want to work on when you're out here at the bowling the tournament, whether it's in Reno or Vegas, et cetera. So even if it's not the exact pattern, you're still going to get that one thing, that one little nugget that you think maybe the person should work on and help that's going to help their game ultimately. And it doesn't, I mean, on a house pattern, it, they you know they maybe frankly don't need to do it exactly but if they can execute on the sport pattern they're definitely going to see it and it's going to work out well for them as well absolutely you think of it as like a little tune-up you know a lot of guys especially when i used to be able to have the pattern down they'd always schedule their lesson before they bowl the tournament not only do we get a little tune-up physical game wise you get some idea of the lane condition what you want to do as far as equipment now, like I said, I won't have the lane condition, but I'll be in Vegas. I'll be watching some of the Open Championships and have an idea that I can kind of pass on. Um, the same kind of thing, though. Even if you practice on the pattern at home, you know how many times it's exactly the same when you get to nationals? Pretty much zero. <laughs> exactly. But it gives you an idea. You know, so that's the thing. You know, as people prepare to go out to nationals, bowl on some tougher stuff. Bowl on some sports shots. Doesn't have to be crazy. You know, one to one flat pattern. Then you pull up a couple last of the past year's nationals patterns. Bowl on that. You know, something other than a house shot to, to get ready. Yeah, Mike. I mean, I know there's a lot is being made that the pattern wasn't released. And I understand kind of both sides of the argument. I understand Chad Murphy and the USBC's side that, look, we want this to be the ultimate tournament that bowlers have to prepare for. And by not releasing, they create a fair environment for everyone who doesn't, and they don't also get to watch the webcams, et cetera, and, uh, right. and live, live streams and such. And then I hear the flip side that say, well, you still do have to execute on those shots, whether you put out the pattern and know the Correct. length or not. Now, I mean, I guess to me, it seems like we kind of can probably throw some things out and say that we know the pattern is going to be between 38 and 42 feet. Would that be, be fair? You know, in my opinion, and we don't know what it is, but in my opinion, they're not going to do anything drastic. They're not going to put like a crazy short 32-foot pattern out so people don't have the right equipment. They're not going to have a 50-foot pattern out. So to play the medium length, and you know how Nationals is. They're tough on the fresh. You have to have some patience. You know, you have to usually, you think about the last 10 years or so, what is what are the most of the successful bowlers do? They start a little bit to the right, something smooth and arky, Keep it in play, something predictable. Then when the lanes open up, then you can go to something to open up the lane more. But I think if you try to get too anxious and open up the lane too soon when the lane isn't giving you that, that's where trouble can begin. I remember a couple of years ago in Reno, I was watching a team event, and uh, first game of team, this one guy, 220 average bowler, to be remain lane, nameless, <laughs> was kind of complaining, having like really struggling, like shot 130 the first game saying, oh, if you don't have a 500 river, you can't compete anymore. Well, keep in mind, he missed five spares that game to shoot 130. Now, had he picked up his spares, would it have been a great game? No, but it would have been 180. You know, so 
that's the other thing. As you're practicing, don't just practice first shots. Practice your spare game. Um, you know, if you don't strike as much, spares become more important. And the tougher the shot, the more important the spares become. So even if you do the practice session before your event in Vegas, during your practice session, shoot some spares. Don't just throw first balls only for the hour. One, you can't do that in the tournament unless you shoot 1,500 game one. And nobody has done that. <laughs> so the lanes don't break down the same as you throw first balls only compared to just shoot your spares. So even if you, you do the practice session, you know, maybe 10 minutes, first balls only, whatever you want to do. Then after that, you, know, you don't strike, shoot your spares. Yeah, and it's one of the things... And more realistic. We always talk about the transition, which, you know, depending on where everyone's playing the lane and with surface, obviously that makes a huge key as to when that transition, you're going to, you know, ultimately you're going to see that transition. But when you talk about transition... Just talk about kind of usually, again, usually, and, and for us, neither of us having bowled on it yet or watched someone in person, right. usually, like you said, it's better to stay right as opposed to making, you know, when you're on a house pattern, you see a ball go through the face or you leave a four pin even or a nine pin, your in initial reaction is to move left, make your move with your left, either two and zero, right. three and zero, et cetera. On these, though, it may not be that. So talk about why that is different and what the differences are even just on a, you know, on a sport pattern. I mean, in general, but even just for the Open Championship. Well, from my experience at the Open Championships, a lot of people on the fresh, and you know how that goes. You get 10 minutes of practice, but I don't know if anybody after that 10 minutes says, okay, I'm loosening and I'm throwing it great. You know? So you miss a little bit of hooks. Well, watch your ball motion. Have your teammates watch where you got to the break point. A lot of people make the mistake. They miss a little bit in, you know, you're a little bit tight because you're not loose yet. You miss a little bit in and the ball goes high. Well, if you missed in or miss your break point and the ball goes high, that doesn't mean you need to move yet. Probably means you have to make a more effective shot. You know, so that's where, you you know, it's very obvious when you're standing back watching ball motion, you can see, okay, hey, everybody who got their break point, maybe, for instance, right of eight, had a chance to hit the pocket unless it was outside of three. Or you start to notice, hey, everybody whose break point was inside the 10 board down the lane went high. Well, if that's the case, maybe you don't need to move. And if you move left and it hooks more, I think you're going the wrong direction. You know, but that's where teammates come in. And that's where being smart and watching ball motion comes in. Yeah. So, I mean, when you when we watch our and that's the other thing, too, if anyone when they used to when you'd watch the live teams, or you watch the better teams, they're watching their teammates they're observing their teammates. You know, one of the teams we Absolutely. just saw um, that just came back was Lenny Borsch and his son, Jacob. And when we watched Jacob, it was the end of doubles. He was still fairly right. If you watch the video that USBC. So we yeah. were talking the end of doubles. And where was he crossing? Maybe 10 at the arrows going out a little, you know, just a little bit to the yeah. right there. Um, so that kind of gives you the indication that you're going to want to stay. And he has a, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, Mike, but he has a pretty decent hand. And it's not like he's a, yeah. you know, he's a, he's a lower rev guy. So that leads you also to believe Correct. that you're going to want to stay as right as possible because that was after all the doubles, you know, pretty much all the doubles event. Yeah. Now, and he was born with an older group, not that Lanny's ancient but he is in senior tour. <laughs> so they might've played a little bit straighter, allowing them to stay right longer, you know, but like I said, usually on the flatter patterns, if they're flatter in the middle, you want to kind of stay away from that until it develops. But all the good teams, they watch each other's balls go down the lane and go through the pins. They have good communication. You know, I remember even the last time I bowled, 
you know, if I threw a bad shot and went high, I'd come back and say, hey, that was a bad shot. You know, it's not like you need to move. But the same thing, if you throw, if you think you threw a great shot and the ball goes high, you should come back and say, hey, guys, I think I threw that one good. What do you guys think? And if they all say, no, that was, you missed in, I would trust your teammates. But if they all agree, like, yeah, I think you threw a good shot, it hooked. Well, maybe they need to move also. And that's why it's important to keep that communication going. Well, and that's the team, what the teams do. I mean, if, if you're an anchor bowler and you see the guy on, you know, you're watching your opposing anchor and you're leading off, for instance, or sec- in the second hole even, and you see them go high and you're like, well, I throw it similar to him, you, you're, and, and he comes back and says, I threw that one good and it just jumped, you should make that move yeah. right away. You shouldn't even Absolutely. throw a ball before making, you know, and then coming through the face or doing anything. And that's what, again, what Correct. the good teams do. And um, and as as we move on, so if I feel like this year, even in more than years past, it's going to be communication amongst teams will be more and more important. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm kind of on the fence too about releasing the pattern. I think, you know, I don't even know what year they started releasing the pattern. What was that, 10, 15 years ago, maybe, if that long. Well, before they started releasing, nobody bitched that they didn't release it. But once they started releasing it, it's hard to go back. You know, so I think that's where it is. And I, and I get with people that travel and have to fly, as far as picking an arsenal and picking balls, it's, it's easier if you kind of know. But that's where you have to have some logic and think, okay, it's not going to be anything extreme. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's talk about that, Mike. I mean, let's talk about building a medium is pattern. You know. Yeah, can we talk about building an arsenal? You know, from a you know, let's let's build like say, let's just go six since that's a a fair number to bring on a when you when you're traveling, whether you're driving or flying, even if you got a a crew of you in the car or or flying across country. But you know, when you're building your six ball arsenal, let's assume the person has a spare ball, so it's maybe five. You know, including the spare, but. What what would be some you know some balls that you'd want and if if you know we, let's go through first we can go through maybe the storm and roto lineup since you know both you and yep. I are associated with them and um, and represent them but we can go through the storm and then even just generalities to what people want to go to build out from what they should be bringing. Right, and I think a good plan. Well, one, if you have a spare ball, definitely don't forget that. <laughs> okay. Two, most people have what they would call a benchmark ball, very predictable. You, you know, that's something if you have no idea what the condition is, well, let me try this because I know what it does and then I can make adjustments off of that, either moving with that ball or then adding different equipment into the mix because you know how it compares to your benchmark ball. You know, so something, and generally speaking on sports shots, across the board on sports shots, something smooth and arky tends to be better on the fresh than something skid flippy. So that's where, you know, you don't want, don't want something glowing, shiny out of the box on the fresh, you know, maybe hit it with just a little surface. From what I've heard, and again, I haven't seen ball motion yet in the lane, so they haven't been down there yet. But what I've heard is the back ends are kind of snappy. You know, so if you get something to roll up a little bit sooner, it tends to get smoother off the break point, more controllable. So again, on the fresh, the, the, the goal is to be around the pocket. That's the goal even when they break down, actually. <laughs> you know, but you want something predictable. You don't want any, any balls that do tricks. So uh, also what I've heard, um, and it's out on Facebook and everything on Facebook is always true, but the doubles pattern tends to play a bit tighter than the team. Last year was the opposite, you know? So knowing that, okay, well, maybe I might need a little bit more surface um, and singles and doubles pattern on the fresh, or maybe a little bit tighter angles. You know, sometimes on those sports shots where they're flat, 
there's not much hold on the fresh. So if anything, there may be a hair room right to miss, but not much room left. You know, so, and again, if you have a ball that just dead duck hooks off the pattern, very hard to control on the fresh. So, you know, maybe uh, some of the stronger balls, smoother, that can be a little bit smoother. Something like a, the new Sherlock looks awesome. You know, hooks quite a bit. So that might be a better one for singles and doubles than team, depending on the amount of hand you have. Uh, the torrent looks awesome, nice and smooth. And how can you ever go wrong with uh, having an IQ tour solid in your bag? You can't. You know, so I think every tour player on our staff has an IQ tour with them most all the time. That would be like one of the benchmark balls. Phase two, I think that's a great ball. And that, I think, has will be coming into play down there. You know, then when they break down, I mean, there's so much good equipment out right now. The timeless, I think, would be good when they break down. That's a hybrid. Um, Code black, no rules pearl is awesome. You know, so those are both pearls. So that would be to go to probably when they break down, or maybe some people, if they have low ball speed, you know, or a crazy high rev rate on the fresh, can use one of those stronger pearls with a little bit of surface on it on the fresh. Yeah, Mike, but talk I think about those pearl balls would be more when they break down. I want to hear you talk about surface, because this is one of the things in Reno, our eyes play tricks on us, is even if you're up there watching, and you, let's say you're sitting in the in the above area in the in the actual grandstand, I guess you could call it, yeah, yeah. and you go down, and just the lighting in Reno, and I'm going to invite everyone, even at South Point, go down and get as close as you can if you're looking at, if, if you see someone that throws it similar, to try to get a look at their surface. Because they could even be throwing yep. the same ball as you, but if you can't see the surface, you're in, and even in Reno, it looks like it's shiny going down the lane, but it actually has you know a, a two thousand or a, a fifteen hundred grid on it, and you just can't Correct. notice it from from what um, you know the light, yeah, the way is, the lighting is. Deceiving. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I'm I'm guessing like I don't think I haven't heard anybody comment that's ball that they're crazy tight. Now I have heard like on the doubles pattern, the mid lane plays tighter. Seems like a little bit longer, maybe a little bit more volume is what it feels like from what I've read. Um, you know, so that could be, like I said, maybe 2,000 surface would be kind of just to tame it out. I don't see anybody needing like 500 or anything like that. I think that would be too extreme. And talk about drilling. Unless and- you throw it like 30. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing then we're talking more stable drilling stuff that's going to just let the ball read the pattern nicely and I mean because even at 40 Correct. feet there's going to be there's going to be hook there I mean if you hit the right part of the lane yeah. and the right break point there, the ball Correct. will ball will feed to the pocket yeah I mean 20 or 40 foot pattern is 20 feet of back end you know so yeah there's and especially on the fresh that back end is fresh you know so there will be some motion there uh, but again a lot of the years what I see is there's not much hold and when I say there's not much hold, there's not much hold usually at the break point on the fresh. And it takes, from my experience with these newer oils, these new thicker oils, you start to see the lanes change eh, maybe middle to the end of, the, of game one is when you start to see them start to change a bit. You start have to, might start having to make some moves. Um, but I think you'll see again this year, like other years, where the scoring will kind of ramp up each game if you play them right from the start. 
Yeah, and let's talk about a little bit about the other characteristics at South Point a little bit, and even just Vegas in general. I mean, with the tournament being in Reno, yeah, Reno can get kind of warm and toasty, but it takes a little bit for that to, to happen. And, you know, as, as yeah. the season goes along, we're Vegas. I mean, we could be talking, you know, 100 plus from May on. So that's, you know, half yeah. the tournament pretty much could be. Do you, what do you see or what should bowlers expect if you, you know, and even for, even not bowlers particularly uh, from the, the lane reaction, but even just from their, um, their hand shrink, you know, if they've never traveled cross yeah. country or haven't done it in quite a while, as far as the humidity and what it's going to do to even just your hand shrinking or swelling up or et cetera. And even uh, right. the characteristics of the lanes, just in, in general terms, obviously. Yeah, I mean, the weather can definitely be a factor. Obviously, uh, USDC crew does a great job. They, they monitor temperatures over the lanes, on the lanes all the time. You know, so even though the outside temperature may fluctuate some, when it's so far of an, you know, inside the building where the, the uh, facility is, I don't think it's as big of a factor. But like you said, it can affect your body. I know a lot of times when people come to Reno, Reno's 4,500 feet elevation. So that can make you swell up a little bit the first couple of days you're there. Um, Vegas, obviously being warmer, you might swell up a little bit. You might feel a little bit more, you know, if it's warmer, you're not used to, especially people that have a winter <laughs> and they're bowling in, you know, maybe May in, in Vegas and maybe 100. That can be a little bit of shock to the body a little bit. So, you know, that's where you want to make sure your, your tape is new in your ball. You replace your tape, have everything fitting correctly before you throw your first ball. You know, so that's where in a squad room even, hey, put your hand in your bowling ball, see what they're like. Don't go out to lanes and your tendons crack like, oh crap, I gotta adjust all these thumb holes. Well, and, and Mike, and that's what you can help people with that as well, right over at your leans. Like, come out by you and get a lesson. Absolutely. And that's the first thing you're going to do with them is you're going to sit down and, and look at their fit and make sure everything is fitting properly so that when they're getting yep. out of the ball cleanly, that obviously that's not going to change then or, you know, or very slightly it'll change if they go over to the stadium or to, you know, South Point. Yeah. And you know how that is. Our bodies are different every day and different parts of the day. You know, so that's where, you know, a lot of people, they, they don't pay attention to how is their ball fitting? You know, so, you know, if it's, if it's a little bit tight, you're not clearing it well, you don't recognize that soon enough, that can cause some bad shots. Yeah, or if you're losing it and you think, oh, it's just, you know, just something that they're going to fix or something that's going to yeah. change. And before you know it, the yeah. first half of the, you know, half of your first game is gone. And then you add a piece of tape, right. and now you're, like you said, you're in, you're in the shoes of the guy who shot a 130 and was complaining about things. If, if it's even the spare ball, that, that's another key Correct. point. Is Exactly. You know, the spare yeah. ball didn't fit, and now you, you missed some easy spares. And I'll tell you, one of my pet peeves, and this happens every year when I'm in Reno, or, or generally at nationals, somebody would be throwing a ball and say, hey, what else you got? Oh, why don't you try to throw that one? Ah, oh, that one doesn't feel good. Well, then why the hell did you bring it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Fix it before you leave, or don't bring it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why would you? I mean, you know? and I, I, I kind of honestly, Mike, I'm gonna, I'm gonna confess here. I was in this boat a couple of times too, and it was more when I didn't have, I didn't have enough equipment to, to really feel like I had a, a good enough arsenal. But it's like if you don't have confidence right. in a ball, don't even put it on the plane. I mean, just leave it, leave yeah, it at home. Exactly. I mean, unless you just want exercise with extra weight, don't bring a ball you're not going to use or you don't like or you, or you don't throw well. 
And I do want to remind folks before we uh, let Mike go, make sure you check out bowlingthismonth.com. Lots of great insight there, lots of great ball reviews. If you're looking for one of those pieces that Mike discussed earlier on the podcast, you can check things out there, bowlingthismonth.com. Also, uh, lots of great articles, lots of ways to improve your game. There's some uh, great stuff right now I'm seeing on how to improve your game mentally. And uh, also uh, just some talking about uh, some conditions that we have health-wise with Heather Dierka, who we've had on the podcast as well. So it's great to have, uh, great to see that stuff there by the way so check all of that out again that's at bowlingthismonth.com i know another thing mike you're going to be up um one of the things that storm does that they do a great job with that's going to be in reno in your backyard is they have the storm youth championship so talk about that event and what you're going to be doing there and how you can help you know really i mean between junior gold and between all these great youth events jbts and everything there's just so much stuff for, for kids to bowl in the sport of bowling that's growing but what are you going to be doing in reno with the kids in the uh, storm youth championships yeah, all of us at Storm are really excited about this. This is hopefully the first annual Storm Youth Championships. It's going to be held in Reno at this bowling stadium, March 24th through the 26th. Uh, it's a junior tournament, big money scholarship tournament. Believe it or not, now, they opened up the entries because they sold out. They have 273, the full field sold out with a waiting list from 31 different states going to be competing that weekend in Reno. You know, all juniors, there's a $20,000 total scholarship fund for that tournament. You know, and I, I explain to kids and their parents all the time, when I was a junior, when I finished my junior career, I had about 150 trophies. They bought me no books, no classes. This is scholarship money. <laughs> and there's so many good tournaments for youth bowlers that offer scholarship money. This is paying out one in four. So it's a good payout ratio also. And it's kind of a cool format for the kids. They bowl four, five-game blocks, so it's a 20-game tournament, Saturday and Sunday. I believe there will be like a, a kind of a medium, a short, and a long, as well as kind of a house pattern. So four different patterns, five-game blocks. Should be a great time. Really looking forward to it. I know a lot of the juniors I work with are going to be there bowling. Hopefully one of them will win. <laughs> but uh, also, we have some of our pro staff is going to be there. Uh, big props out to Leanne Holzenberg, who's done so much good work for this tournament. She'll be there. Wes Malott, Deandra S. Beatty, Randy Peterson, uh, Michael Tang, who's been on a couple of shows, <clears throat> will be there. And the ever-popular Carolyn Gordon Ballard. So we have great support from Storm that will be there at the tournament to root the kids on. Awesome. So you bring up Michael Tang um, with him and his brother Darren making uh, the, the show not too long ago. I have to get your opinion on the, the kind of revitalization, I guess you could say, of urethane. And from a coaching perspective, uh, uh, what you think of urethane. And, and honestly, I actually even read a couple of reviews from folks who said urethane might even work at the OC. But what are your thoughts on kind of the, like I said, the revitalization of urethane here? Well, I think urethane is a great choice if you're trying to control ball motion. You know, usually you're going to be playing to the right. Urethane is not a ball you're going to open up the lane with. So, you know, a lot of the guys during the Masters use, especially in qualifying, they use urethane in the first few games, and then with all those bowlers on the pairs, the lanes broke down, they could go to something reactive. Now, once you got into match play, less bowling was going on in those lanes. Some of them were able to just stay with urethane. And obviously on the TV show, same thing. They didn't have to get out of urethane. You know, so I think that's a great option, especially guys with bigger hands. Um, I, I like the urethane reaction. That's what I bowled with. 
when I was competitive on tour, you know, so it, it actually took me a while to get used to the reactive reactions <laughs> compared to the team or urethane reaction. Uh, but I think that's more of a condition specific surface or, or, or ball with using urethane, but definitely has its place. Uh, the, the downside of urethane, it does carry more oil down. So sometimes what can happen with urethane, if you use it for a long time, the back ends can get kind of sloppy and kind of wet. We don't have much ball motion on the back end. And then you go to something reactive and it's still kind of the back ends are a little bit tight. So that would be, you know, I'm not ruling urethane out for maybe some of the higher rev guys at nationals, but I think for most of us, you could get away with using reactives on that. But yeah, for certain conditions, urethane is awesome, especially on short patterns. And I'd, I'd like to know, I mean, because this was, I talked uh, when me and uh, Coach K, Steve Klemkin did the show, uh, the Collegiate Spotlight podcast, the Storm Collegiate Spotlight, where we talked to Alex Hoskins, we were talking about urethanes in two. And one of the things, especially when it's a solid color, the black, you know, like the pitch blacks and such, yep. they kind of hide the rev rate. You don't notice them as much. So talk about really right. the, the rev rate that Michael Tang has to be throwing that and getting it to react like that. Because the last thing we want, you know, is for people to, watch the TV show and then think, oh, I'm going to go get this pitch black and throw it on my house pattern, and the ball just, like, clips off the six pin. <laughs> Correct, yeah. And, it, you know, if you try urethane and it's not the lane condition doesn't isn't ready for it or doesn't really favor urethane, it's pretty obvious, <laughs> you know, where you just can't get a 10 out. It's just, you know, not enough motion, and then you have you, you, if you feel like you have to crank it a lot to get it to hit, yeah, maybe your thing's not the best choice. You know, Michael Tang, and I've never checked his rev rate on cast, but just watching him, he's probably four mid four hundred on rev rate, which is definitely higher than the average bowler. And he probably uses all that rev rate too on t when he's throwing urethane, right? He doesn't, you know, the, the oh, pros yeah. have so yeah. many different tools, he can probably. Honestly, if he probably wanted, he can take his rev rate down by changing hand positions down to what, probably Absolutely. 350, maybe yeah. even 300. But on, on your thing, yeah. those guys, when they throw they throw it, you know, even Tommy Jones, when he threw it, you know, the week prior, they're throwing it at their, right. their rev, you know, they're not taking any of their hand out of the ball. Correct. Yep. Even if you watch some of the older shows, like back when I bowled, you look at the ball motion, like, oh, no, those guys fluff it. No. I may have, but not everybody did. <laughs> you know, so it can be a little bit deceiving watching that. But then someone like Alex, he threw reactive all week at the Masters and had an awesome week. Exactly. And Martin Larson as well, throwing the face too. Just, yep. you know, ran into a little bit of trouble on the on the TV show. So, uh, well, great stuff, yeah. Mike. Again, you know, I, um, um, I, was, I was so impressed with all the young guys on that show of the Masters on how well they handled themselves and how well they performed. You know, it was Alex's first show, Michael's first show. Um, who else was up there? Dar Darren Tate, Michael's brother, Dar Darren. Yep, yep. Well, <laughs> Darren had made one show, but still very inexperienced on television, and they both like they were veterans. Cool as cucumbers. It was awesome to watch. Yep, exactly. Well, Mike, great stuff. Again, we can check you out on Reno, uh, out in Reno, uh, not Reno, we can check you out in Reno at, Bo at Lane 81, obviously, but we can also check you out in Vegas at the Open Championships in Orleans. And um, again, we're going to post yep. all the information in the uh, in the description here of this podcast and where you can find Mike. And if you have any questions, shoot me an email, Tim at Above180.com, and I'll get you in touch with Mike. 
Um, but um, all the best of luck with everything out there, Mike. And by all means, I'm going to make sure I swing by and say hi and um, and uh, and just Definitely. hope hope, uh, hope everything works out well for you there. And and uh, just all the best of luck with everything. Well, thank you, Tim, and I, I appreciate the time. And like I said, I'll be set up at, at the Orleans. So I won't be on site with the Open Championship Tournament, but I'm along with the side chart of the DTN Tournament. So hopefully a lot of my regulars will make the short drive from South Point to Orleans, maybe get a tune-up, win some money at the BTM, and then go over and kill that national. 